Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. In the current coronavirus crisis, balancing the electricity system has become more challenging in some countries. The challenges have been different from the balancing challenges uh, before the crisis. In some cases, we've seen really high levels of renewable generation together with periods of very low demand on a local and a national basis. Prices have turned negative in some markets. Other markets with less variable generation have seen different challenges and maybe less extreme challenges. But to explore how these challenges have changed and how the markets have responded to them. I'm joined today by two aggregators whose day job is using demand-side flexibility to help balance the electricity system. And we'll explore what life has been like for them in the crisis. So let me introduce my two guests. Um, First up is Emeka Chakrue from Electricity Exchange in Ireland. Hello, Emeka. Hello. Uh, Emeka, thanks for joining the podcast. Can you give us a quick introduction to Electricity Exchange as a company, who you are and what you do? Uh, Absolutely, John. Thanks for that. Uh, A pleasure to be here. Uh, So Electricity Exchange is a smart grid technology and services company. Uh, We are focused uh, pretty much on researching, developing and deploying demand-side flexibility solutions, as you alluded to. Uh, And the aim of that is to unlock ever greater system flexibilities that are required uh, as we move to more variable, non-synchronous, renewable energy on the system. Uh, In in Ireland, you've got plenty of that, haven't you? It's a a market where there's very high levels of wind wind generation. Uh, Absolutely. It is is a big factor of of managing our system from, from a system operator's perspective. Yeah. And to give an idea of uh, scale, history, how long have you been around as a company? How many customers do you work with or how many megawatts do you manage? Uh, so so I say business, uh, we've been around since uh, 2013. Um, uh, and, and we've seen the cycle from the previous market that was in Ireland uh, into the new market arrangements that went live uh, in late 2018. Uh, in terms of size, we are in the mid uh, hundreds of megawatts, um, which uh, makes us uh, about 30, 35% of the demand side uh, share in, in Ireland uh, at number two. Uh, and that'll be made up of lots of customers uh, nudging 100 at, at this stage. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, thanks very much, Omega. We'll come back to you shortly. Uh, my second guest is Simon Bushel from Simpower in the Netherlands. Hello, Simon. Hi, John. Um, Simon, likewise, can you give us an elevator pitch for SimPower, please? Sure. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, SimPower is an independent international uh, demand response aggregator. We're a very mission-driven company. Uh, We believe that flexibility is vital for a successful energy transition. We we currently work in the Netherlands, where I'm based, as well as Finland, Sweden, Switzerland and and Israel. And yes, we're a software software company and we connect our customers to our software platform and that platform provides end-to-end solution that uh, stabilizes the energy grids and offers real-time monitoring um, in order to keep the the supply and demand of electricity in balance. Great. Um, And 
again, an idea of scale. You've given us the countries that you're you're active in, um, customers, employees, megawatts, years in the market. Can you give us a feel for that? <laughs> yeah, so we uh, founded the company back in 2015 uh, in Estonia, actually. And uh, yeah, right now we've uh, get, yeah got a, a few hundred megawatts of uh, controllable capacity uh, across the different geographies that I mentioned earlier. And uh, yeah, uh, mostly commercial industrial customers. Great. Okay, thanks, Zemeka. Thanks, Simon. So I'd like to ask each of you now for uh, the changes that you've seen uh, in your business since the corona crisis uh, back, I guess, in, in February, March. So what's been in the business of being an aggregator? What's been different? What's changed? Zemeka, um, do you want to start with one or two points and then we can go, Simon, to you? Yeah, sure. Um... So the biggest change really has, I mean, this has been a shock to the system, to everybody. Uh, and, and as you probably uh, would imagine, uh, particularly so for commercial and industrial customers, who a lot of them have had to pretty much lock down the operations. So that has had a huge impact on, on, on availability, uh, that, on flex availability from demand that is, is there for the system. Uh, conversely, uh, there's some part of the system that actually uh, the demand has gone up uh, because of this this uh, crisis. So, take for argument's sake, uh, any company that produces oxygen for hospitals uh, has been running uh, pretty much on full, full full load. So, their availability, uh, sorry, their demand is high, but the availability to flex is low because you know we have to produce oxygen for. Uh, the health uh, conditions in the hospitals, so so that's been the biggest change. It's been the so there's there is demand destruction in some cases. There is actual increase in demand in other cases, but in general, it has impacted the availability of uh, demand to flex. Yeah, and I bet I I bet you never. Well, maybe you did have the foresight to see this possibility, but uh, very difficult to to see this coming. Um, yeah, Simon, absolutely. how about you? What, what would you what would you highlight? Well, I think we've been very lucky from an internal perspective because, uh, yeah, like I said, we're based in quite a few different countries to start off with. So we're very used to remote working. So for us, we didn't have that kind of uh, tricky phase of a few weeks that, that uh, I know uh, uh, yeah, other people had when, you know, you're trying to get used to Zoom calls and all that sort of also that sort of thing. So that's been. Um, uh, yeah, that's been quite lucky for us. Um, I think I completely agree with what Emeka um, um, said. I think there's, it's, what's been interesting is, is kind of to see both sides of the coin. So there's been some uh, companies that yeah, have been affected by, uh, by the pandemic and have therefore had less flexibility to offer. But actually, flexibility can offer a new revenue stream. So actually, um, some companies that have been uh, maybe affected by the pandemic, but um, have got some sort of some bandwidth to look at other projects. I've actually been even more interested in in you know what flexibility has to to offer for them, uh, because yeah, it can add that extra revenue stream in a time when they when they really really need it. Uh, so yeah, it's been been kind of um, uh, yeah, good and good and bad, let's say. So I can see the the challenges with your you're both focused on commercial and industrial customers. So I can really imagine how that's affected you what about the demand for flexibility so i think both of your businesses are focused on uh, helping or working with the the system operator the tso has uh, the need for flexibility changed significantly emeka do you want to go first 
Um, uh, absolutely, and I'm going to use the example of this past weekend. Uh, it was a bank holiday in Ireland, and I do actually uh, keep an eye on, on GB uh, as well. And and mm. in, incidentally, the, the flexibility that the system needs is more like a uh, it's it's a downward flexibility, if you like, and and that's uh, our national grid in in GB uh, preempted that with their with their new uh, program. Uh, so if you like, we we always think of flex in one direction, uh, but what has happened, particularly over this weekend, is that you actually need flex uh, in the other direction. So mm. so 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 it's 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 that bi-directional element to it. I think has, has come out, uh, you know, to the fore. And and Simon alluded to that. So if you look at demand turn up. Um, it actually is a service that uh, as you have demand destruction, but you still have, uh, say, in Ireland with the wind farms uh, going gangbusters as they did over the weekend. Uh, yeah. if, you have, if you have the ability to turn up demand, uh, again, if for argument's sake, uh, in this case, those that are producing oxygen, uh, which is really required, uh, if they can ramp up production even more, um, that, 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 that is an, that's the flip side of flexibility. So it's not just uh, in one direction, but but the flex on the other direction as well. And has that been yeah, the same that... in the markets, Simon, you operate in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the Netherlands, uh, energy consumption has been down, uh, I think, about 10% uh, lower than normal. And what's also been interesting is that uh, in the Netherlands, uh, we've had an unusually uh, sunny but also windy uh, spring, which means that, yeah, for the first time, uh, we're seeing you know, a lot of significantly uh, negative energy prices on the day ahead markets. Um, which is definitely, it's, at the very least, it's sparking the interest in, you know, yeah, you, you uh, if you can consume f flexibly, then, uh, you know, we should do something about it. Um, I think what's what's been very impressive is that, you know, a crisis always puts stress on, on a system, and especially a system that needs to be balanced so precisely. And I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I think that at least in the markets we've worked in, you know, the system has, there haven't been any, any really significant problems. So, you know, clearly the the processes and markets that we have in place, uh, that the grid operators have in place now are are working even in a really you know extreme situation. So that's been uh, that's also been sort of good and interesting to to observe. Let's pick out these two points then of um, your commercial and industrial customers maybe not being able to provide the same flexibility they did, either because they've shut down or in their as you said, they're working flat out producing oxygen for a hospital. So you've had changes to uh, the availability of flexibility. And then on the other side, you've had a much more um, requirement for demand turn up. So the need for the flexibility has changed. So I'm really interested to hear from, from each of you how you've coped with that or how you've navigated those you know, I guess one challenge and and one opportunity. Um, who would like to to start on that? Uh, well, for us, what's been interesting is you know seeing the difference across the different geographies. So um, in the Nordics, for example, uh, things have been relatively business as usual um, with yeah installations ongoing. Um, you know, customers in general not really changing their their patterns that much. Um, but then in Israel, for example, they've had a very strictly enforced lockdown and that's made things you know, uh, quite difficult. And they've had some really extreme uh, sort of imbalances in, in, in the last uh, in the last weeks, especially last weekend, for example. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been very, uh, very different in different countries. And as you said, the energy mix also um, has, has a big impact. Uh, yeah. 
So in, in Israel, for example, Simon, what have you been able to do? Because has it been very frustrating because there's been a real opportunity to provide flexibility, but you've not been able to because your your normal customers just aren't able to provide that? Uh, yeah, and I think you know Israel's a very nascent market. Um, uh, yeah, we're we're working there with the with the uh, grid operator and the Ministry of Energy to to actually um, uh, start kind of kickstart demand response markets there. And I think that this hopefully has has really provided an an, an example of why uh, why this is really needed and. Um, uh, yeah, and and what you uh, uh, what, what the the potential of the one response c- could be. I'm I'm gonna buttress uh, what Simon is saying there. Uh, so so I remember the days when I moved to Ireland uh, 15 years ago, uh, and Ryanair would uh, advertise fares at one euro. Um, and I was doing my MBA then, and my classmates would all jump on and book flights to all over Europe. Now I yep. couldn't book those flights because I didn't have uh, an EU passport, so uh, I could not respond to the prices. Uh, even though I, I could see them. Uh, so like Simon said, over the past weekend, we've had negative prices. I mean, for the first time in GB, we've had an average daily negative price, uh, but you can't respond to that. I mean, I mean, some of the uh, uh, retailers have products that you can respond to, but, but generally it's not something we can respond to uh, because to enroll assets into that, I mean, we have, we have to queue to get into a program that may be six months away or, or a year away. Uh, then we have to install equipment and all that. So, so I think the, what what will happen with this is the notion that when you're designing flexibility into a system, I think this this situation will give everyone a point to reference and say if this ever happens again, touch with it doesn't. Uh, but if mm-hmm. it does happen again, uh, we need to have a system that can, you know, allow uh, a bi-directional flex and, and and all that kind of stuff easily. Uh, absolutely, and we're also kind of getting a, a kind of insight into what the future of the, uh, you know, what of, if you fast forward say five years into the future, what the energy system then is going to look like, because you know um, the, uh, the the conventional generators have been the ones that have been producing less um, in in general, which means that we've you know suddenly we've seen renewables all of a sudden uh, dominating dominating the markets, and that is you know that's the trend that's going to continue in the years to come. So. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully it's given an insight into how we need to design markets to to cope with this. And how much variation have you seen in your customers? Emeka, you gave this really nice example of a company producing oxygen. Uh, They've not shut down. In fact, they're working absolutely flat out. Um, Are there any other examples, uh, Emeka or Simon, of you know, customers that you've been surprised by or where you've learnt more about the flexibility that your customers do have? Um, I think I think the oxygen one is one that stands out to me. Uh, I mean, data centers uh, um, as a class, uh, I mean, everyone is, I mean, in contrast to CNI demand, everyone is at home uh, watching Netflix, uh, yep. I think. Um, so, so <laughs> Not, not that it's been surprising, but, but, but if you like, that's uh, another demand class that is is just going going at it. Uh, every, I mean, yeah. I mean, we are we are we are on a virtual uh, chat room. Uh, people are on Zoom uh, the whole time, so 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 it's not a surprise, but it's just another uh, class where, where demand has has held up and and actually probably increased. Yeah, and I think I think two examples I can give. Uh, uh, firstly, the uh, yeah greenhouse and in general the agricultural sector 
which uh, yeah hasn't really uh, taken a hit. Uh, yeah, at least not uh, not amongst our customers. And also um, the uh, paper industry. And I thought it was quite funny to uh, um, when there was uh, uh, yeah some some talk about uh, toilet paper shortages. I uh, I was I was quite <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, quite quite glad to know that our uh, customers in the paper industry would uh, would for the time being have uh, have plenty of, of work to do. It'll be one of the busiest set of uh, businesses about, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and in terms of the automation of your platform and your optimization activities, uh, you know, I think back to the when demand response first started uh, or was gaining ground in the US, and I remember stories of an aggregator phoning up a uh, hotel to say, can you reduce your demand? And then some poor person in the hotel having to run up to each floor and switch off the ice machines and then run down and say, yes, we've reduced our demand. Now we're in an automated world here, but um, how, how automated have you been able to be? I, I think it would be really interesting to hear about whether uh, the degree of automation and the degree of um, where you're able to just where you have to pick up the phone to your customers and speak with your customers what's that that balance been like for you well I think for, from our side we're yeah our platform sort of fully automated um, so uh, yeah that hasn't really uh, posed a problem I think that yeah what we what we have done more uh, recently is to have more conversations with our customers to understand um yeah what what their challenges are and and where maybe flex where we maybe as we talked about earlier you know there is more flexibility or, or less flexibility um but yeah in, in in general we have a yeah fully automated platform so uh which we're continuously improving so you know we've we've obviously taken some some of the uh, sort of results of the <laughs> stress tests that have happened in the last uh, months uh, into account in in, in future but in, in general uh, things have been yeah holding up well let's say yeah yeah and, and same, same as ourselves uh, our platforms are fully automated and our preference is always to offer automated response and then notify the customers subsequently if an event mm -hmm. has taken place uh we do offer manual uh dispatch uh but generally that's uh uh, you know, in a few cases, and usually very large customers who would have a dedicated uh, uh, resource uh, on site to respond accordingly, so that if we call call them up, they know what we're talking about, and they you know they they probably have a button at their desk they push and and it, it activates stuff stuff at their site. So 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 we we offer both, but but, but our preference uh, is always uh, an automated uh, response uh, and notify afterwards. Okay. Um let's move on to the second point that you both uh, talked about at the beginning, which is the the need for more turn up rather than turn down or the, the different flexibility requirements from the, the system operator. Um, can you, uh, could you both say a bit more about those and give our listeners an idea of how the patterns or the demand for flexibility has, has changed, maybe what it was like and what it is like now? Yeah, so I think that, um, yeah, Traditionally, um, yeah, we've mostly been looking at demand turn down services, um, and I think that um, TSOs have, in general, um, already sort of um, foreseen that there's going to be more, a more and more need for the turn up services. So, for example, in uh, in, in the Nordics, um, they're planning next year to go live with a sort of fast, uh, fast acting. 
uh, turn up service for when the system is very out of balance um, in yeah in that direction. Um, and what's yeah I, they're continuing with plans to, to to make that happen. And I think that yeah like we said earlier, um, the current situation has really emphasised the need for that uh, and and the opportunity as well. And has that been what's that been like, Simon, in terms of your customers, the industrial and commercial customers? So. Have you found that you've spent most of your time with them talking about turn down, but now you're suddenly talking with them about, hey, what what can you turn up? Or uh, have you been doing sufficient turn up already that actually that was relatively smooth to provide that turn up to the system operator? Um, I guess a bit of both. Uh, I think that, yeah, we've been uh, where we where we have been able to provide turn up in the past we yeah we we have made sure that, that we've had that ability to start off uh, off with um i think that uh, you know if you look at the 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 new market i was talking about in finland uh, i think yeah like i said earlier the tso's are, are doing a great job to to keep things uh, going uh, in the current situation but they're um yeah by their nature they can't be that fast moving so it's not like there's all of a sudden a, a new product available for uh or a new a new market available for for turn up um so yeah we we've definitely been having the conversations and trying to find it where, where we can but um i yeah, i guess it's i guess it's uh, a slightly more slow moving process at least in in the geographies we're we're in sure yeah yeah uh, in, in, in mecca how about you yeah sorry carry yeah, on it, in our case, uh, it, it's similar. We, we've led with both both, uh, both offerings. Um, I mean, uh, turn down is what is more available because it's it's. I mean, you have more demand on the system ever than than that we have a surplus. Uh, so so that's 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 what is there. But it, but going forward, it would always be a balancing act and, and an alignment issue. So so we are in a, in a, an unusual situation where demand has been destroyed destroyed in in such an incredible. Uh, literally a, a cliff face. Um, however, if you if you roll forward, uh, we are supposedly having a sector coupling with uh, transportation. So so we should start seeing our EVs uh, coming in and, and becoming electricity uh, uh, consumers. Uh, we we are uh, seeing a sector coupling with heat, uh, and again, uh, you know, heat's taking up a lot of, of that demand. So the Depending on the alignment of those changes, we may not run into where turn up is is would ever be any significant uh, case. However, uh, again, if we ever have a situation like this, you know, stress. Uh, hope we don't. Uh, but you know, as they tell us, uh, you know, we're probably going into a zone of uh, pandemic. So who knows? But 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 it's about designing the system to be able to deliver this, if necessary, uh, so that. You know, as 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 uh, proper economics dictates, if you're seeing negative prices, uh, it's it's one thing just admiring the prices. Uh, it's another thing being able to uh, react to prices. Uh, we have to have the the ability to react uh, uh, accordingly. Sure, sure. And I I guess uh, looking forward, and we'll come on to this at the end as residential demand response through, as you said, Emeka, electric vehicles, electrification of heat. Um, as those volumes grow, then that will be another source of flexibility that will give you more diversity in your um, across your customer base. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go on. Uh, so one other thing that I've seen in the market is challenges, more challenges at the distribution network level. Um, 
your your businesses are, are focused on mainly on the uh, the TSO, the national level, because that's where the markets are. But uh, talking with a number of DSOs, I know they've had challenges with um, low demand and high levels of distribution connected renewables, uh, small winds, uh, rooftop solar, solar farms connected to the distribution network. Now, these markets aren't quite there for flexibility. Well, they're emerging, they're just starting, they're coming. I'm interested from both of your perspectives, have, have you seen much interest at the dis distribution level or does this make you think those markets will open up more quickly in the next years? Yeah, I, I think that um, uh, these are slow moving processes and that have there's been a lot more interested, a, a lot more interest, sorry, in the uh, in these markets in the um, in the last years, you know, across all, all the countries we work in, we're, we're involved with different projects uh, about local distribution. But I, and I again think that this is that this sort of stress test on the system is again going is, to is hopefully going to be at least a, a sort of a catalyst to um, to encourage uh, distribution system operators to to make that next step maybe a little bit quicker or maybe a little bit more ambitiously than they were than they were hoping to before haven't seen it yet but at least all the projects that are currently going have have at least been uh, you know and, and the market openings that we we are looking at uh, have continued um, so at least there's there's not really that many delays or holdups and uh, yeah hopefully the, in, in the future this will give them a, a good boost to uh, to get those markets open yeah and I. I know someone. I've, one of the uh, people I've spoken with, his his head of uh, head of DSO at one of the the distribution companies, and trying to drive their transition from network operator to system operator. His view is this really accelerates that transition from a network operator to a system operator. Um, that's that's great. Great to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emeka, how about in, in Ireland? Um, you, you don't have so many distribution uh, DSOs over there, uh, one main distribution uh, operator. Uh, we, we have one in Ireland and one in Northern Ireland, uh, and that's about it. Yeah, so uh, do you see they've had challenges or in Ireland, is it mainly transmission connected renewables that have, of course, uh, the stresses in the last last weeks? So, so, so yes, uh, in Ireland, we don't have uh, a significant deployment of EVs. Uh, we don't have a rooftop solar. Uh, the, we have uh, wind at the distribution level, but again, they are larger than, than you would have at the domestic level. So, so there are some challenges around that, but that's, that's, that's relatively manageable. So, so from, from really small scale uh, embedded stuff, it's not a, a huge challenge in Ireland, but, but looking across the market, uh, you know, so take uh, South Australia for argument's sake. Mm. Uh, last last year, uh, the South Australia was uh, sixty-five percent from rooftop solar. Yeah, uh, that is just, you know, uh, you know, it's just way out there, and and their estimates are they're probably going to be going to eighty-five percent uh, by twenty twenty-five. So so when yeah. you look at and and that has led uh, the the market operator there to suggest uh, mechanisms to, to to sort of slow slow that process down. Um, so, so, so when you look at that, uh, when we don't design the systems, then you get blunt instruments of, oh, let's slow this process down rather than a market incentive, or oh, let's provide solutions to address this so we can harness this resource. Um, yeah, either slow it down or I've seen uh, moves to try and switch off solar farms uh, at certain times where they're causing real problems for the distribution network. But 
yeah. of course, far better to use flexibility to to maximize the output from those farms. Exactly. You know, so 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 from 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 a perspective. Sorry. Carry on. sorry. Uh, so from the perspective of you know, for the likes of us, I've been banging on about flexibility forever. Um, and and we're now hit with it in the face, uh, and we have to do stuff um, uh, in, in the immediate. Uh, you know, the emphasis, like I said, is we we're not going to be able to do a huge lot while we're in this crisis. But you know, uh, the the hope is that as we come out of this crisis and we plan uh, future market arrangements, uh, designs, and all, uh, that this crisis will be you know writ large uh, in the back of everyone's mind as as we plan plan for it. Yeah, and I hope it, it gives a an additional boost to that momentum that's building around using flexibility to help manage distribution networks. Won't always be the right solution for them, but I'm sure it will be an important solution for them in the next years. Okay, it's that time in the podcast now where we bring out the Talking New Energy crystal ball. Uh, so here it is on the desk in front of me. And I'm going to set the dial to 2025. And my question to both of you is, how do you think the aggregator business will change in the next five years? So if we fast forward to 2025, uh, what differences do you think you'll be seeing in your businesses or how will your business be different in five years time than it is today? Apart from, of course, being a lot bigger and uh, even more successful than it has been so far. Uh, Simon, would you you like to start with that? Sure. So I think a couple of things we've touched on already. So firstly, I think there's going to be, yeah, we're going to see a continuing increase in the share of renewable energy, you know, which has happened very quickly in the last few months. But that that trend will continue, which is going to mean there's more, more need for flexibility on both a local level and uh, and a national level um and like we talked about earlier more more need for turn up flexibility i think the uh, sector coupling uh, that Emeka talked about earlier is going to be uh is going to really start to have an impact in the next five years with both evs uh, yeah with transport and, and heat providing new challenges but also new opportunities in terms of flexibility i think a, a final point which i'm i'm interested in is that in the last few years we've seen quite a lot of consolidation in the aggregator business let's say with you know Centrica buying Restore, Anel buying Enanoc etc um, and I'm uh, but on the other hand you're seeing the European Commission with the clean energy package actually really pushing for there to be independent more independent aggregators and, and keeping that choice for for customers so i'm interested to see what that's going to look like in 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 five years time uh, as an independent aggregator ourselves <laughs> of course in, interested in that um uh yeah and and hope hopefully there'll be plenty of independent aggregators meaning that people do have the the, the, the choice when uh, uh when possible okay so new challenges uh bigger challenges to balance the system, new sources of flexibility from uh, sector coupling, from electric heating, electric vehicles, and this question about whether aggregators are become part of broader, bigger energy companies or, or stay independent. Um, thanks, Great Simon. Um, <laughs> Emeka, how about you? If we looked at uh, your business in five years' time, what would we see different? Um, so, so Simon has stolen a lot of my notes. So, so I try and. I, I, <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, I, I try and cover this from another angle, but but I'll leap off on 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 the the acquisition by aggregators by um, utilities uh, because I I was sort of part of one NNOC that was acquired by NLX. Uh, that that wave of aggregate of acquisition was done by utilities uh, who essentially are seeing the challenges to utilities and they're trying to transform and that's happened to them. But then straight off the back of that, you've seen the likes of the oil companies like Shell and BP becoming active and doing the same because, you know, again, they're seeing the challenges to their business, which uh, over this corona period has also, I mean, we're seeing oil prices that we haven't seen for 15, 20 years. So, yep. so, so, so they are bec becoming active. But then when you move for that, uh, you know, beyond those guys, you're seeing the, the likes of the Googles and the Amazons and the Teslas becoming active in this space as well. So, mm -hmm. so this is not going to be, by all means, just a utility uh, exclusive play. Uh, you're going to see uh, people, uh, if you like, platform companies, as, they, as, as, as if, if, if I may class them as that, all pushing it in, into this space um, because, you know, like we talked earlier, our platforms are automated to a large extent. Uh, what these guys do is take platforms and scale. So, so to the extent that you can turn this into a scalable business and be able to respond to those prices, you're going to see this not being a utility play uh, or even an energy, broader energy play. Uh, uh, I know and maybe Simon wants to stay independent. Uh, you know, I, I, I won't comment on that on our view, but, but, but the trends are that you're going to see, uh, in my view, a lot more activity from non-energy players in this space. Uh, from our business perspective, in five years time, uh, we uh, aim to be a, an international business like Simon uh, is. Uh, I mean, that's what my title is. That's what my role is. That's what my yeah. targets are uh, to, 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 to spread our wings uh, into international markets and cover as many countries across the globe as is. So, so that's, 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 one, that's on the cards for us as a business. Uh, but also, what one of the things Simon mentioned is, is I suppose they they by nature built up as a remote uh, operations uh, business. Uh, we built up as a as a single location, so everybody's in there. Uh, the, you know, we have had to learn now how to operate uh, with uh, distributed teams. Uh, it was something that was I would I was going to implement as we go outside Ireland into, into international markets that we have to learn how to operate a remote business. Uh, I don't need to uh, plan for that anymore. We are actually no, it's happened. <laughs> so 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 part of my job has been done for me. <laughs> well, you, uh, that's always nice when that happens in Mecca, but uh, it doesn't sound like you're short of other things to do as well. So. Um, Absolutely not. So yeah, remote, remote coping with remote working, and then yeah, really interesting point I think about uh, the number of companies that will see opportunities to in the sector. So um, yeah, d difficult to know exactly what the the landscape of companies active in flexibility will look like in five years' time. Um, so. Imeka, Simon, thanks very much for your time and sharing your views. And um, I, yeah, ad admire everyone that's had to sort of pivot and uh, manage challenges in their businesses over the last months. Um, and as you say, the systems have uh, stayed operating, the lights have stayed on, so everyone's doing their job really well. And good luck in the, the next years. Uh, I, I think as you've both Thank you, John. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be on, on here today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, John. To um, 
our listeners thanks for joining we hope you found that interesting and we look forward to welcoming you back next week thanks very much and goodbye if you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are then please keep in touch you can follow us and me on twitter linkedin or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform if you like the podcast and like sharing then please do rate us and to listen to archived episodes to read transcripts and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.